This is the Saturday show. A big thank you to all of you for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. Yes, we are back. It's been nearly a year, if not over a year, since we have done this fine program, but we are back. My name is Jay Catch, and sitting across from me is my good friend Alex Lundberg. Alex, what is up? Oh, you know, just living the life, loving, you know, being back in the in in the studio again, you know, and on this side of the glass this time. You I know, know. This is the first for me. So I was gonna say you, you you've been with the Saturday, you didn't work the Saturday show before, but you've been on the other side of the glass in the producer studio. But right. this is your first time in the co-host chair. Yeah, so. it's it's uh, you know. It, it's a new experience for me. I'm really excited, and uh, you know, hopefully, I'm tolerable. So, no, this is going to be a fun venture. And for those of you out there who are probably wondering, okay, what's this new iteration of what the Saturday show is going to look like? Well, it's going to be similar to the old format. Let's be clear about that. But still, we're going to mix in some new things. We'll have different hosts, uh, guys like Alex, myself, Johnny Lightfoot will be a part of it. Our other part-time uh, board ops and producers will also be involved, producing and all that stuff. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Of course, we're going to talk about sports. That's what we're here for, obviously. But uh, Alex, do you, do you prefer Lundy or Alex? Do you care? Uh, I don't personally have a preference. Okay. I know that most people call me Lundy just because okay. it's, well, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, even my parents call me Lundy most okay. of the time. So well, here to four moving forward, you are now Lundy on the Saturday show. Perfect. I, I love it. All right. Sweet. OK, so Alex or Lundy. He is our jazz producer. That's kind of your main gig here at the station. So he, you make David Locke and Ron Boone sound better than they actually are. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they you know they do a good job and uh, they they keep me employed. So you know they they keep me around. So that's the name of the game right there. But you have a lot of fun and you have a really really unique insight into the Utah Jazz because you're, you're so engrossed in it during the games. You sit here in this producer's box is what I like to call it, it's a studio, but. Literally, a game's going on not even 200 feet away from you. And how much Utah Jazz basketball have you seen live this year? Uh, probably more than I have in the 10 years before this. Okay, so I mean, like, okay. I mean, I've seen, you know, like there was a stretch of time, you know, and admittedly, you know, I became a sports fan because mm-hmm. of the Utah Jazz growing up here. Okay. You know, I remember where I was when Stockton hit the shot, you know, like everybody sure. basically that grew up at that time in this state. Um, but I kind of admittedly fell off the bandwagon a little bit when Stockton retired. Okay. Because so much of, you know. It was tied up in that. Obviously. Right, yeah. yeah. Just growing up watching the best to ever play that position. It was hard to continue to watch when that was the the standard. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the guy that replaces him, it's like, well, he's not as good. And yeah. so, like, there were a few years where I kind of casually followed. Okay. And then Sloan retired, and it took a couple of years for me to actually watch another game not just not because like i was actively protesting or anything i no. just kind of you know but it had been ramping up and ramping up and i'd been watching more and more because the team you know the past few years has been fun it's yeah. been a lot of fun and then this year i mean you know obviously i'm here every single day <laughs> watching all of it yeah you're going so, through audio you're you're playing these interviews and all that stuff let's explore that just a little bit though because I, I don't think your experience is atypical of many jazz fans many of us i think you and i are around the same age we grew up stockton to malone jerry sloan on the sidelines like those were connections to our childhood and when that era ended i think there were many people who were like okay well great but what else? like it, and the jazz to their everlasting credit have been a very very stable organization yes. they, they've won a lot of games i think they're among the top three in the nba in terms of overall wins as a franchise something like that it's just crazy what they've done at least in the last 40 years let's be clear about that but 
what they have done, and I'm with you, kind of that mid-2000 aughts to, I think, the latest iteration of the Jazz, the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell Jazz, I think there are many Jazz fans who were, I call, what you say, casual fans. They were sitting back saying, okay, I'll check in from time to time if they're doing well, that 2008 uh, run to the Western Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they bought in at that point. But there were other years where they're like, eh, okay, whatever, I'll check in every so often. But recently, I think there have been literally thousands of Jazz fans who have been like, okay, the good times are back. I'm all in again. Yeah, that, for sure. That sounded kind of what what you you were describing. Yeah, yeah. No, like I've talked to people, you know, where they they've said that exact thing. Like even just in the couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. recently, you know, since Donovan Mitchell was drafted, is yeah. when a lot of them have started to come. But you know, I started to kind of get back into it during the Gordon Hayward era. Okay. Um, and you know, th- then Donovan Mitchell. Like I was still kind of a casual fan, but I was following a lot more than I was prior to that. Sure. I remember Donovan Mitchell getting drafted. Because I had just turned it on that day, I was like, "Yeah, why not?" See who watched the draft, Jesse, okay, and knew nothing about him. Started checking him out on social media, and uh, he said and did all the right things. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, just exploded onto the scene. And you know, after Hayward left, but you he, know, just a short time later, in many ways, he saved the Jazz from spinning back into that downtime that we had mm-hmm. seen before that. Because obviously, you saw Gordon Hayward makes an All Star team, and then he just bolts. Right. And we're all like we're at a loss of what's going to go on. And to think that Donovan Mitchell, as the 14th overall selection, comes in here as a rookie and is given just kind of the reins of the offense to go for it and just is absolutely marvelous. And he's been marvelous ever since. It's absolutely incredible just to look back at how those pieces kind of fell into place. Right. You know, and like, because I mean, I, I felt like when Gordon Hayward left, there was going to be kind of another, you know, it had been building momentum. The, the casual yeah. fans were starting to come back. Then that fateful July 4th. And I thought, well, here it goes. You know, everybody's going to stop caring again. And little did we know that that was actually going to be the starting point for a lot of people's rejuvenated fandom. It's, it's actually, and that's the funny thing about it is it's crazy how things kind of happen in pro sports. Uh, PK, who I work with on a daily basis, Monday through Friday on DJ and PK in the morning, always says that pro sports reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. Players, they're always going to be these elite players. They just continue to reinvent the storyline, and that's what we saw with the Donovan Mitchell era of the Utah Jazz here. He came in as a rookie, and very early on, Quinn Snyder and the Jazz Brass saw something in this young man and said, you know what? We're going to put our full faith in him. And he had his struggles. Let's We all know that. We can look back. But what he's doing now, and obviously he's been out for the past, what, 15 games now without him on the court here. And we'll talk more about last night's game with the Thunder. We'll, that's kind of the main point of today's show is right. to talk. But the, the, the incredible thing is the steps he has taken in the young part of his career. Because he's still, what, 24 this year, I believe, for him, or 25 at the very oldest. It's absolutely incredible to see the steps he's taking, and he, it seems like the the ceiling isn't even close yet for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's he's the kind of player that you watch him every year, and you see the you you see the flashes and the potential and things like that. And it's like you know, it's so easy to get caught up in that. But it, you know, when you look at it more closely, it's like okay, here's a part of his game that also might be a red flag. Sure. And then a few weeks later, you notice noticeable improvement. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's. It's there. It's he. He's aware as yeah. well. He he. He's a student of his own game and focuses on those kinds of things. You you can tell that he's got the work ethic and the drive, and so it's it's incredible because a lot of these players, you know, you see these flashes of potential. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is in any sport. You'll see 
things that get a lot of people excited and they, for whatever reason, never feel like they fully measure up. And Donovan Mitchell is the first player locally in a long time that I feel like, you know, I mean, Rudy Gobert's another one with the Jazz. But, you know, him and Donovan Mitchell, it's just it's remarkable how much they improve in such a short amount of time sure. because of their awareness and their their drive. Well, and that's the thing about them. They're, they're self-driven. They, they, you mentioned the, the awareness. They have self-awareness. Okay, well, I'm struggling in this department. Let's go work on that. And the nice part also is the Utah Jazz, they've got a very, very good coaching staff. Quinn Snyder and all the guys who work around him, they are very, very intent on player development. I think they understand that, yes, Salt Lake City is never going to be a destination spot for the top-tier NBA free agents. And maybe we're going to be wrong about that one day, but I don't think we are. But I think they understand that the the route to them having success is to bring these players in and say, okay, we're going to work on these facets of your game, and we're going to make you guys the best players we possibly can do it. There's obviously a a component of it. The player has to be self-driven, as we've talked about. I think Rudy and Donovan are just like poster children for the fact that they, they're driven to be the best that they can be. But they also have these guys around them. This staff, they are very, very intent on showing guys on film, this is what you need to do, this is what we need to see improvement on, and these players go out and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, earlier this year on one of the broadcasts, mm-hmm. uh, we, we played a segment from George Niang actually talking about the okay. coaching staff, identifying that with him. It was Alex Jensen took him aside and said, you know, do you want to be a rotational player? Do you want to know how to do that? Um, you know, explain to him that there's a lot of guys that end up in your position that sure. are with a team for a little bit and don't ever really get in, and then they find themselves out on the market again. Okay, and you know, he's like, "Do you want to be a lasting player in the NBA?" And told him, "Well, with this system, what we need you to do is make corner threes and play defense." Okay. And George Niang worked on those things, and now we've seen what he's been able to contribute. You know, he has become that that player because the the coaching staff. Uh, you know, approaches these guys and lets them know, here's what we need from you. Here's how to do this. And and they do it in a way that the players feel valued and, you know, they feel motivated to work. Well, I think that's a good stepping off point to talk about last night's game here because last night the Utah Jazz went to Oklahoma City and the Thunder, they're playing out the string right now. It's very, very clear. There's a lot of young players, they're trying to fi- find their footing in this league, but the Utah Jazz went to Oklahoma City and you could tell early on in the first quarter, this was going to be a game where the Jazz were just going to roll. The nice part was is that the Jazz were able to get everybody that I think was on the active roster last night got minutes in this game. And that's the good news. Even Udoka Azubike got in the game. Doke minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that guy, I honestly, truly thought his season was done this year. That you injury know, I, he suffered. <laughs> there, you know, it, it could have been Game 7 in the NBA Finals, and I thought he would still be listed as out on the injury report. Sure. Because that was it was... A gnarly injury. It was not a good ankle sprain, but uh, you know, it's been awesome to see him back on the floor. Absolutely. So, looking at last night's game, uh, Boyan Bogdanovic paces the Jazz with 22 points in this one. Jordan Clarkson in his bench roll comes off with 18 points. But uh, talking about what you what you were talking about there with the player development, guys like George Niang, he plays 21 minutes last night, scores 11 points. I think we can look up and down this roster, the guys who were able to play, I guess. M- meaningful minutes in this, and that's a relative term considering, as we mentioned, Oklahoma City, they're very much in tank mode, we're getting the best draft slot we can get, we're going to rebuild this thing from the ground, they got a bunch of draft picks, all that stuff, but the Jazz, the nice part was, these guys came in, and when it comes to the Utah Jazz, 
they don't change systems for their bench players versus their starters. This is this is a system that is ingrained, and these guys know this is the way we play. This is how we're going to go about it. And I think you would have you'd have a very unique insight into this because you've been listening and watching these games all year long. As to yeah, when you see a lineup up the, out there of let's say a Matt Thomas, Trent Forrest, Mieoni, Uduka Azubike, and maybe Juwan Morgan out there. Mm-hmm. Well, those are five guys who. In when the Jazz are at full strength, very rarely see minutes. But when they're out there together, you're seeing them run the same system that the Jazz starters are running. That's the fun part. I, I I really like the continuity there for sure. Yeah, and I think it 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 makes it makes the Jazz be able to to last through what they've lasted through these past few weeks, where two of their three All Stars are out with yeah. injury. Yes. And they can just plug and play mm-hmm. new pieces. And obviously, you know, whenever you lose guys like Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, it's not going to quite be the same sure. level of play. But the drop off is helped significantly by the fact that it is that system that everybody knows their role. Everybody knows exactly, you know, and they can just step up. You know, it's that next man up mentality where they don't have to change what they do. It's just. Okay, I'm stepping into this role now. You know, we've seen that with uh, Jordan Clarkson and mm-hmm. Boyan Bogdanovich over the past few games. And, you know, I mean, Bogey's been playing great yes. the past few games, um, which, you know, he's, he's said that a lot of that comes from him. You know, he had his struggles early on in the season. Sure. He really focused on his, you know, on his close to the rim game. He worked on getting there, making sure that he was making those buckets and, uh, you know, him seeing it go through the hoop from short range has helped his long range game as well. And he's just completely turned it around and, and stepped up when the Jazz have needed him to. Well, that's the thing. Uh, so, Bogey here, what we're seeing right now from him, I think there are many people last year when they were in the bubble down there in Orlando without Bogey, many people thought that he was the guy that probably would have pushed them over the top, maybe gotten them through that first round and on into the Western Conference semis and whatever else. Well, as you mentioned, early on this season, he had up and down. It was just really, it was a feast or famine. And there was a lot of down moments. But as you mentioned, there was, I, 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 this is just my observation. I don't know anything about this. It seems like to me that Quinn Snyder and the staff went to Bogey and said, you have a very, very good just all-around game. If your outside shot's not working for you, work it to the interior. Go to the bucket and get some confidence there. And as you mentioned, that, when he made that focus, started working inside, making those mid-range shots, getting to the rim, all of a sudden, it seemed like his three-point shot all of a sudden just opened up for him. Is that, am, I, am, I, am I seeing something different than you saw? No, that's, that's 100% accurate, you know, and that's, that's exactly what he said as well. You know, and and he's, he's put, in, put in the work there because early on in the season as well, like, you know, I, I thought him driving to the rim was actually more of a liability than him staying out and trying to shoot the three. He had a, a, a several-game stretch where... He seemed intent on dribbling and driving yeah. mm-hmm. and would turn it over almost every single time. And then, you know, all of a sudden we saw him start backing guys down mm-hmm. instead of necessarily trying to drive as hard. He'd start backing guys down, get himself to the rim, make an easy bucket. And then in turn, he was able to start driving a little bit better, getting to the rim. Uh, he's talked about in a lot of his post games, you know, he's learned more. And Quinn has said the same thing as well. He's learned when to jump off two feet at the rim. He's learned, you know, and when to jump off one. You know, he's really worked on his game there. And that confidence has 
exploded to the rest of the floor for him. It, yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's to the point now where I don't think he doubts any part of his game anymore. I, I would agree with you. I think many of us can just kind of see that in his game right now. And the nice part is we're going to see Donovan Mitchell back on the court. And it's my opinion that game one of the playoffs, he'll be out there. That's mm-hmm. just my personal opinion. Once again, I am not the insider who has all this knowledge. By the way, those who claim they have inside knowledge of the Utah Jazz... I'd be very careful. They are buttoned up about as well as any franchise I have ever seen. Yeah, no, it's 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 locked down tight. And so, <laughs> you know, any and all opinions are opinions. Sure. And, you know, some of the time they're just opinions that I've heard from other people as well, you know, pa- passing that along. So, like, I agree with you. I think that Donovan will be out there. Um, well, my opinion, yes. you know, again, prefacing that, I think that part of the reason why Donovan was reevaluated and said, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to not play him for the rest of the regular season, then we'll sure. reevaluate him prior to playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they're waiting to see who the matchup is. I That very well could be the case. And we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. We're going to talk more about the machinations because there's a massive tank-off going, it looks like, for certain teams. <laughs> Other teams are playing for the one seed, like the Utah Jazz. It's a very interesting dichotomy right now with these final few games, uh, two games, I think, in many cases, with regards to the final. The Jazz obviously have Sacramento tomorrow night. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But uh, final thing for me on Oklahoma City here was, what do we take away from that game, if anything, Alex? I don't feel like I learned anything about the Utah Jazz in that game. Did you learn anything? I don't know that there was a lot to learn uh, at this point. I, I, I mean... One of the things that was nice was to see the Jazz get back to having fun on the court. We saw that a lot early in the yeah. season when everybody was healthy mm-hmm. um, and they were just just flying. blowing teams yeah. up. Uh, you know, it wasn't a positive play, but I liked to see it when Rudy Gobert was dribbling up the court, went behind the back, okay. and then <laughs> dished it back court, and it was a turnover because over and back. Sure. I mean, that's the kind of play that you don't normally want to see in games, but it was fun. And that was the kind of thing where it's like, okay, they're, they're, you know, they're relaxed, they're ready, yeah. they're, they're in a good spot mentally. We can see that cohesion as the team. You know, they're all there, they're ready to go. They've, their mindset is right. Yeah, and I agree with you on that point. Is like, yeah, they just, they, and that was the type of game to try something like that, right. if you're Rudy. Because let's be honest, you do that in game one of the playoffs, and you're going to have Quinn Snyder on the bench saying some naughty, naughty words at you. And you're going to see a lot of naughty, naughty words on your Twitter feed as well. <laughs> exactly. The fan base is not going to tolerate that. But yeah, so I just, the game last night, I just felt like it was just one of the final few games, one team very much playing for what's coming next, obviously, mm-hmm. and one team who was like, all right, how many ping pong balls can we can we garner out of this bad boy? <laughs> and you know what? That's just how the NBA goes. By the way, um, just one other thought on this. Do you like the play-in format, the play-in tournament thing? I love the play-in okay, tournament. See, I'm with you on that. I am all for it because it, it's made the last week of the season meaningful. It's it's given purpose to the game. Like, sure. you know, I mean, you know, usually we get to this point of the season and all everybody's resting everybody and it's basically tuning in for G League games with yep. NBA logos. Yeah, it's it was gearing up for the playoffs. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, well, Get your body right, whatever. But there are teams literally playing for the playoff lives who otherwise probably would have shut it down weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, and I, I am in full. I, and I get, I, I get why Luka Doncic. I get why Rick Carlisle. I get why LeBron James over here when they were stuck. It looked like in that play-in slot, we're like, well, whoever the hell that is needs to lose their job. Yeah. Thanks, LeBron. <laughs> well, we understand that you don't want to play extra games, but I'm with you. There are teams that have been. Otherwise, it would have been like, you know what, 
mail it in, we're, we're calling it a day, that now have said, okay, we're going to play because we can, if we have a chance here, we can get in. we got to win two games if you're the 10th seed or whatever to make it in, but you're still alive. That's the most important part. Right, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's going to take some adjustment. Some complaining was bound to happen because, you know, these guys are used to, okay, 7-8, that's, that's safe ground, mm-hmm. and it no longer is anymore. But the guys that are in the 9-10 spot, they're loving it. They're yes. excited. You know, for them, it's okay. You know, we're we're a miracle bucket away <laughs> from a playoff spot. And, and lest we forget, by the way, these are the these are the consummate competitors in these sports. They they don't they're not going out there just to play. Right. They they want to win. That's the fun part about it. So we're gonna find out. And it's still, there's still some movement that could happen. The Spurs who are going to face the Suns today and tomorrow, well, if they help the Jazz out and maybe win one of those games, that'd be great. But they're in the 10 slot right now. and yeah. they, They're still very much thinking, oh, you know what? We keep winning. We're going to be able to move on. They're going to be in that 10 spot, and they're going to see what they can do to hopefully make it into a first-round matchup. They could be a potential Utah Jazz first-round opponent if the Jazz clinch that one seed. I just... I have been a big proponent of it, but I also get, yeah, when these bigger names in the sport, when they're stuck in those slots, you may, you may have to play two, two or three extra games here. Why would I want to do that? Well, guess what? It gives teams like the Grizzlies, like the Spurs, it keeps them engaged. And that's the ultimate goal, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that this is very likely here to stay. I think the only reason that it might not be is if you get one of the big marquee matchups, which is very likely to happen in the West. You know, yeah. you get a Golden State versus the Lakers, and it's a, a one-and-done kind yeah. of a deal, almost. I mean, that would probably be a 7-8, so not but necessarily still, but done. It, it, but potential, still, yeah. you know, like, one of those teams is at a very real risk of not making the playoffs early. And so if you get, you know, too many superstars, too many big-name teams that don't make it, then the NBA will probably go back to the drawing board and say, okay, this didn't actually make us the money that we thought. Sure. So uh, let's maybe retool this. But excluding that scenario, I think that this is going to draw big-time ratings. I think that the, the NBA is going to make a lot of money with it. <laughs> I think that the fan base is going to absolutely eat it up. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the NBA is going to say, why didn't we do this sooner? Well, it still allow it also allows these teams to self hope to their fan bases too. Right, like the Spurs, they're, they're four games under five hundred right now, but they're still selling hope to the to San Antonio fans. And this is a very proud franchise. Let's be clear about the Spurs. Oh yeah, they five championships: the Tim Duncan, Monte Ginobili, Tony Parker era. Very recently ended, but they are still very very proud. And just seeing them have this opportunity, man, their fan base has got to be thinking, okay. Pop's going to do something here. It's postseason time. Pop's going to lead us through. And we'll find out. It'll be interesting. But all right, we're over time here on this first segment here. But you know what? We're having fun here on the Saturday show. So, Lundy, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. We saw the schedule revealed this week. I think there's some interesting matchups in there. We'll talk about that coming up later on in the show. We're going to be back an oldie but a goodie, our good friend Technical Fouls. We'll talk about some of the stupid things that have been done in sports over the past week and later on as well. We'll also talk more about the Jazz looking ahead to that matchup with Sacramento who apparently have decided, you know what, we're mailing it in, so we'll talk more about that later on. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and The Zone Sports Network. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Jay Catch, Alex Lundberger, Lundy's, we're going to call him here on the Saturday show. Thanks for joining us here on a Saturday. We're, man, I got to say, when they told me we were bringing the show back, I'd been sitting there wondering, okay, well, are we ever going to do the Saturday show again? Because I really enjoyed doing it when I did it. And I did it for a relatively brief time. Austin and Adrian were kind of the main two that had done it for many, many years. And they brought me in on occasion. And then Austin is doing Utah Car Sense, who you just heard a little bit earlier on here on the station. And then Adrian moved on. He's now a high-flying volleyball coach, by the way. Congratulations to Weber State Wildcats. Him and the staff up there making the NCAA tournament. Really, really cool. So I'm carrying the torch on of having you on board to help us with it. And we're going to have some fun. I can tell you that much, folks. Yeah, it- it's been a blast so far. I mean, you know, still early on in my in my maiden voyage on here, but I mean, you know, huge shoes to fill, but I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to have some fun with it. But let's talk a little about the NFL. Obviously, the NFL is a year-round league. It's, it's a year-round newsmaker, and they purposely build it that way. They, they know what they're doing. Let's right. be clear about this. This past week in what is, let's be clear, it should have been like a relatively downtime. They're like, hey... May 12th, we're announcing the NFL schedule. Get ready for that 256-game slate of games. Find out where your team is playing. And we all know that we all know the NFL teams, who they're going to play. The schedule reveal is to find out, okay, where and when are they playing these games. Right. And that is where the intrigue comes in. So, Lundy, you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Obviously, Joe Burrow is the great hope there in Cincinnati. I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. Who knows what Trey Lance is going to do? We've also got the Jimmy G question. And we're going to talk about both of those teams, but we're going to talk about the schedule overall. What was your initial takeaway when it came to the NFL and kind of the way the games lay out this coming season? First off, I'm excited to see a 17-game season. Sure. I mean, you know, adding one in, who doesn't like more football, right? And so Players apparently don't, but that's yeah, okay. That's, that's, and you know what? That's a fair you know, thing for them to they're, be like. They're putting their bodies on the line. You know, it's it's a tough game physically and they're like really we have to you know have to do this one more week <laughs> and i mean you know the the schedule goes into january yeah you know, i mean you know the the final Bengals game is january 9th okay, january 9th is the, the final browns weekend. yeah you know which like battle for ohio yeah that great way to end the season so i mean i i was excited for that well i mean i probably won't be excited once the games actually start playing because it's the Bengals, but I mean, you know, it's late into January, you know, college football will likely be, you know, playing the national championship probably, what, the next day? It's So it's that Monday. So, yeah, the 10th in theory. Yeah. So, yeah, you'd be finishing the regular season in the NFL. You'd be looking out to the wild card games a week away from that. But then you'd have the college football season is coming to an end. It's full stop the day after this right. final regular season week. Because usually the two, I feel like... It's not too far distant, you know, between the end of one and the end of the other. It's like eight or nine days, roughly. Yeah, you know, and so this, it's like, okay, college football ends, but the NFL, we're, we're just getting started. The playoffs haven't mm-hmm. even started yet by the time that college football wraps up. And so more football is better for everyone, in my opinion, with well, you and, know, and it, the caveat it, of maybe the players. Now. And it's going to ramp up. The thing is, and here's my opinion on the schedule. We'll talk more about specific games here in a minute. I actually, when they were initially proposing expanding the season once again, 
I thought they should go to 18. Give each team two buys, mix it in, and I, I would have been fine moving the postseason all the way. So it'd be Super Bowl Sunday was the weekend of President's Day weekend, if that makes sense. And so mid-February. That was my opinion on it. I also get why they went to 17 here because it's my opinion, and this is just me. I think eventually they're going two games over in London this year. They've played in Mexico City in the past. They've talked about wanting to play in Canada, play in Brazil. I think every team in this league eventually, that 17th game is going to be an international game. I think they're going to go all over the world and try and expand this game, whether you're playing in Asia, whether you're playing in Europe, South America, even they could go to Africa, go to South Africa, etc. They, they're going to expand this game. It is my opinion that all 32 teams eventually are going to play an international game every year somewhere on the globe. And I know that the scheduling of that and the travel and everything entailed is going to be just havoc, it feels like. But I think that the, that's what the NFL is intent on doing here. I'm with you, though. More football, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, and, you know, that's actually something that I hadn't considered both the, uh, you know, push it to 18 and have the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend because hey, that's that's a brilliant idea because... Everybody wants that Monday off. That Monday's off. Yeah. You know, like, just give out, like, just build that in. That's yeah. brilliant. But also, you know, international is something that I hadn't considered too much. But, you know, it works really well because you look at a lot of these teams, you know, like, I mean, Green Bay and Minnesota, for example, you're expecting them to play home games in early January. Yeah. You know, that's like I get that playoffs usually, but that like that's not something that's guaranteed every year, but it is now. Yeah. And that's just kind of miserable for the players. That's miserable for the fans. You make that international, you can go somewhere where, you know, it's it's 70 degrees or more. You know, you don't have to worry about rain or snow or any of those kinds of, you know, you can schedule something in a place where conditions are perfect. Sure. You, you know, some of those wealthier fans are going to travel. Oh, yeah. So you're going to make money with that. But also just that that local market, you expand the brand. You, you know, I mean, it's 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 a really smart business move, I think. Well, the London, London games alone, and they're going to be playing at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium over there. It's been built specifically to host football games. The London games, when they played at Wembley and whatnot... They've been huge crowds. And I think that's what the NFL is looking at and saying, wow, 70,000 people at Wembley want to watch American football? Okay, why can't we go to the Maracana down there in Brazil? Why can't we go to Olympic Stadium up in Montreal? Why can't we go to Vancouver and get these fans who probably are watching it and say, we're coming to you guys. You can come see us play in person. It, it's just in my mind, and we all know that how NFL owners operate. They're all billionaires, and they don't right. they don't make bad business decisions. Let's be clear about that. They're just looking at it saying, well, "Just cha ching, cha ching, cha ching." There's dollar signs everywhere. Yeah, and you know, and it, it's it's building that market, building that brand. You know, and if they get to a point sometime down the road, I don't think it's anytime soon, but they get to the point where they want to continue to expand the league. Mm-hmm. You've got now all of these naturally created fan bases where yeah. you can do that and be successful with it. If they're going to expand internationally, there are two markets I think they've already tested that would be the initial ones. London, Mexico City. Yeah, absolutely. And going to 34 is weird to me, but maybe eventually, let's say there's franchises who get discontented with where they're located. We've seen the Raiders move multiple times. (laughs) The Las Vegas Raiders, okay, whatever. But maybe eventually, I could see Shad Khan. Obviously, he's got connections to London. Jacksonville doesn't work out in the long run. Maybe Jacksonville moves to London. But 
I'm with you. They're testing these markets, and they're going to find really quickly if they start going to these other markets, okay, that was a bullseye. That was great over here. Let's say they go to this X country. They go to another country, not so good. Okay, well, we, we tried, and it did not work out. I think that the, the NFL... This is this league just it prints money. It feels like there, okay. there's just no way to, for them to too big to fail. I guess is the term to use. But I really think that the way they're thinking about this is we're expanding the game internationally, and all it's going to do is continue to add money to the coffers of all of those owners. Yeah, for sure. And so yeah, it's it's something that I'm I'm looking forward to. You know, I'm excited about the prospects of this. You know, to see how that 17th game goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like you said, I think that that does provide a great opportunity for you know expanding the markets and things like that. But for the meantime, you know, 17 games it's great for us as fans because it's more football here and now. You know, we get one more week of the bliss. We get to just <laughs> you know sit there on Sunday morning or sometimes Monday night, and uh, you know just kind of enjoy the the sport at its highest level. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the scheduled games this year. A lot of people made a big deal of the New England Patriots hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady's return to Foxborough in Week 4. Are you as... Okay, this is... Okay, let me get, give me your opinion real quick, and I'll explain what my feeling on it. What do you think of that? Is it, is it to be put up as... Like, people are saying it could be the biggest regular season game in NFL history. I, I, I don't know about that. Just because I don't feel like New England right now is a super strong and uh, like Super Bowl contender, you know, I mean, like Bill Belichick, you can never write him off. No, um, but I mean, the Patriots are not what the Patriots were when Tom Brady was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I would be much more interested in, you know, a, a in, in in a Tampa Bay. Chiefs rematch just sure. to see okay how have the these guys you know how has this been retooled how are how how's how are the Chiefs ready to counter you know have they made any adjustments since the Super Bowl have they built up a, a pass protection because that really is what hurt them in that game you know it wasn't necessarily competitive but would it be this time now that they're you know they've had the off season to, to kind of retool their rosters and so that, to me, is something that would have more of a draw than, I mean, obviously Tom Brady going home, in qu- air quotes, you know, going <laughs> home to... Get booed by his former yeah, aficionados. And, yeah, and just, you know, like, that's going to draw headlines. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I don't know that I would say that it's the biggest regular season game, um, even of this season. So Yeah, so... and. I think the biggest thing here locally is obviously there's going to be all eyes on Zach Wilson with the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. We'll see how he does. I think Taysom Hill with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, if he can win the starting job, there's, there's going to be a big battle between him and Jameis Winston down there in the Big Easy. But those are games that people are going to pay attention to. What other games, in your opinion, just kind of the overall schedule, are you looking forward to? I, I, is there like a game or I guess a series of games to you that are like, okay, that's what I'll be watching that, even though if, even if it doesn't include your Bengals or say my San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always like to watch the games that have local ties. So, sure. you know, anybody from a local team, Utah, BYU, Utah State. Zach Moss and the Bills versus Zach Wilson and the oh, man. Jets twice. See, <laughs> see, and that is something that would be must watch. Uh, the Jets and the 
Colts sure. is going to be a good one just mm-hmm. because of the, the rivalry ties there with uh Yeah, Julian you know, Black. Ju- yeah, Julian Black. Cousins, right? Is that, yeah. yeah. They're cousins and you know, the last two times that they've played, Julian Blackman's gotten that pick six and, you know, <laughs> kinda come away with you know, so he's gotten the better of his of his cousin Zach Wilson, right? And the, and so there's that natural storyline built in from a local angle here that I'm interested to see. Where it's okay, does that trend continue, or you know, Zach Wilson now with professional coaches, professional facilities, doesn't have to worry about class, can focus on football the whole time. Mm-hmm. Can he make that extra step and now get the better of Julian Blackman? Well, and I think that's the thing a lot of people are wondering about. Okay, is this Zach Wilson? He's obviously the hopes are being pinned from the New York Jets franchise on him. And I did a podcast recently with some guys out there in New York, and they were asking me, "Well, Jake, what is Zach Wilson expecting to do here?" I'm like, "Well, I think he expects to be the guy synonymous with Joe Namath." Like, let's be honest, the Jets' greatest player in their franchise history is Joe Namath. Mm-hmm. Fifty years ago, <laughs> think about that. Five zero, fifty years of just complete and utter mediocrity at the best. It feels like, yeah. Zach Wilson is going to go in there, and he's got a lot of work ahead of him. There's no doubt about that. New coaching staff, new regime there. It'll be interesting. I think a guy that he's going to be tied to, speaking of Zach Wilson, is the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Urban Meyer taking over there as the head coach. He's making the jump from the college game to the NFL. He was all in on Trevor Lawrence all the way. Uh, Believes he is just a franchise-changing player. But I truly think he and Zach Wilson and the other quarterbacks taken in the first round are always going to be linked to Trey Lance, Mac Jones, as well as Justin Fields. They're all going to be linked together. Those five linked together. But I think these top two, how their career arcs play out. They're both on the East Coast. One is uh, down in Jacksonville. The other one's up in New York. I think how things play out, a lot of people are going to kind of play off of either one of them. So do you think Urban Meyer's set up to succeed here? Because I think he's too smart not to have success with Jacksonville, but maybe not initially. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I mean, like, on the field watching it, there's not a lot of difference between the game in college and the NFL, but sure. from a coaching perspective, there seems to be a lot of difference because guys that do well in college have not always been super successful at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. You well, know, just, I ask, mean, just ask Nick Saban. Yeah, exactly. You know, Nick Saban, uh, Chip Kelly yep. really struggled. You know, we, we see this, I would say, more frequently than not, that yeah. guys that are great at college coaching don't really pan out in the NFL. Sure. Um, you know, Pete Carroll did great for a while, but I know that some people have started to kind of take issue. There are Seattle fans who I know personally who think Pete Carroll needs to be out in Seattle. Right. And, you know, that started with that, you know, fourth down Super Run Bowl. Run the ball. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, at that point, people are now questioning, okay, was it a flash in the pan? Is he actually not a good? And so I'm interested to see how Urban Meyer does. I think some of his moves have been interesting so far. I think this uh, Tim Tebow signing is very interesting because, you know, he's going to find a way to get Tim Tebow on the field, but I actually don't think that it's necessarily for his athletic prowess that he's bringing him on. I think that it is because there is a rookie quarterback and he, having coached Tim Tebow before, knows his leadership qualities sure. and wanted a mentor. I'm just not sure that Tim Tebow at 34, 33 years yeah. old is <laughs> going to be that guy, but that's just me. Right. Yeah, no, and I, so like, I don't think that that's going to be, I, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily an on-the-field yeah. signing. Um, you know, I, there were 
rumblings and speculation that, you know, he had reached out to Alex Smith as well. Oh, yeah. Um, prior to Alex's retirement. And it would probably be for a similar thing where it's, you know, look, I'm not planning on you putting up big numbers on the field. I want you here in the locker room and working with this guy and getting him into the playbook and helping sure. me build something for the future. I can see that. Absolutely. Okay. So last thing here from me, Alex, at this juncture right now, are your Cincinnati Bengals going to be making the playoffs this year? No. Okay. Fair enough. Very definitive. I like it. No, not even, not even close. Uh, you know, had they drafted Penny Sewell, then I think that maybe we could start to have a discussion. I still okay. think the answer would be no. Okay. Because I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done. But you think that'd be a closer with him actually in the fold? Yeah, I think it would be a lot closer because, you know, watching the Bengals last year, the issue wasn't the receivers. No. They're, it was very clear. They had pretty good talent out yeah. there. It, it, was, it was very much that Joe Burrow was it, on the ground every single play. He's getting harassed. And, you know, like, it's, it's no... I mean, you watched the first game and you're like, this guy's not playing a full season. And to be honest, he lasted longer than I expected. He took a lot of punishment. Dude was tough. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think they drafted the way that they probably, you know, it wasn't the most responsible drafting. I think it was the flashy drafting. They wanted sure. to, to, you know, make the waves, you know. They kinda, won the press conference. Sure, yeah. But it was, you know, you, you look underneath and it's like, okay, you know, like there's no doubt that Jamar Chase will be a great NFL wide receiver. It's very clear what he did yeah. at LSU. There's no doubt about that, that. Like, no question, he was the best receiver in the draft. He's going to be in the league for a long time, barring crazy injury or sure. anything unfortunate yeah. like that. I think that the responsible, you know, for the long term of the team would have been to draft Penny Sewell and to build that offensive line, get your quarterback protected, and then you can worry about getting him better tools. But yeah. you need to keep him on his feet first. You gotta be able to make the throw. There's yep. no doubt about that. All right. Well, coming up next, we will get to one of our favorite segments from the old iterations of the Saturday show. It is technical fouls. Um, highlighting people who have been dumb in sports over the past week. We'll get to that here in just a moment. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. You heard it right. It is technical fouls time. Um, when I was doing the show with Adrian, I was talking about like, highlighting people who are dumb in sports. And highlight sounds like the wrong word to use, but spotlight maybe? I don't know. It, it's just one of those segments where people have been dumb and we're going to highlight what they have done that's insane, stupid, idiotic, insert whatever phrase you want to use here. So, Alex, because this is your maiden voyage on this side of the glass... Fire away with your first technical foul of the, I guess, new year for us. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's been a long time since we've done this. So there was kind of a plethora of stories that we sure. could have picked from. The one that I wanted to, to draw attention to, though, and, you know, because it was worthy of a, of a technical foul, uh, was the, the, uh, the Vivian Lakers Twitter account. Oh, um, yes. Okay, yes. Where, you know, super fan on Twitter, ever, 
like all the Lakers people know, and then all of a sudden, kind of uh, disappeared. We had a missing persons case on Twitter, so people started going into it, and then some questions started to arise as to who this person was. And as things continued to escalate, we found out that this was actually a catfishing scenario, where a super fan and like you know supermodel, yeah, in air quotes, Vivian was not actually a real person. It was somebody that had been for a while, I mean, long enough to make a a strong Twitter presence, you know, had been fooling the world and kind of created an online meltdown during games. And it was just kind of, uh, I mean, from an outside perspective, it was fun to watch, but it was, uh, you know, I mean, Technical foul on anybody for catfishing. I mean, we've seen it sure. before, you know, with Manti Teo. Manti Teo, yeah. You know. Lene Kakua. Right. Rest in peace. You know. And as somebody who spends more time than he should on dating apps, like, if you're a fake person online, like, you know, just instant technical foul. We're, we're okay. just, you know, like. Just technical foul. Zero <laughs> tolerance. You, you know, you're using somebody else's photos as your own technical foul on the spot. I got mad respect for you to be able to to navigate that life because I've been married for six years now and just the thought of like dating apps, man, they were kind of in their early stages when I got married. Just seems like a whole, whole different world. It is the absolute worst. (laughs) All right. All right, Alex. I got one here, and this comes from Tom Brady. And he asked this question on the Complex Sports Podcast, and here's, here's the quote. I got a question for you. How could you hate me when you're a Giants fan? You should love me. That was the only team I never beat was the freaking Giants. It's all good. I've got to figure out how to beat the Giants someday. Maybe we got to have some type of rematch now that I'm in Tampa in a championship game, unquote. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack here, but the main part that just irks me, and it, it does a lot, because this happens to a lot of people. When somebody who is the best or one of the best at their sport mm-hmm. says, why does everybody hate me? It's well. like, well, because you're the best and sports fans are irrational. Like, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, I mean, I remember a handful of years ago, I think it was LeBron towards the end of his heat tenure. Yeah. You know, said something similar. And Dwayne Wade, you know, also kind of chimed in where they were like, you know, just so many haters. I don't understand it. And it's like, you know who else had a lot of haters? Michael Jordan. I was going to say. And I know that because I was one of them. The, the man who you want to emulate and like you say one of your heroes in the game. Yeah. The dude had haters everywhere. Right. You know, like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. These are guys that, you know, like while they play, you actively hate them and you don't realize how much you love and respect them until after they retire because you're so consumed by your hatred while they're mm-hmm. playing. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So that's technical fouls for this week. If you guys have things you see throughout the week, you guys out there listening, send them in. Lundy, where can they find you on Twitter, by the way? Uh, it's at 247Lundy. 247Lundy. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch. If you guys have them, send them in. We are happy to talk, and we'll give you guys full credit for sending them in. We love doing stuff like this, and I'm with you. Tom Brady, can you just have a little, like, understand that, yes, you're going to be people that are just going to be haters out there. Why would you hate me? I'd never beat your team. Um, well, you're Tom Brady, so yeah. I don't know what else. How could we not? Like, look at you. You're... <laughs> You're a beautiful man with seven Super Bowls. Like, yeah, and you're married to a supermodel. Yeah, over like, here. we hate you because we 
want to be you. Yeah, so, okay, whatever. All right, Tom Brady. All right, so that's technical fouls. Coming up next, you're going to hear from the Utah Jazz after the win against Oklahoma City last night. Quinn Snyder, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert. I'm excited to hear from Mike Conley because obviously we'd seen him back on the court last night. We'll also take a look ahead to the matchup with the Sacramento Kings. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show. Hour two of the Saturday Show underway here on the Zone Sports Network. Alex Lundberg, or Lundy as we will call him here on this show, Jake Hatch, we are your co-host Tandem, taking you through this Saturday afternoon. And Lundy, let's talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz. They're getting ready for the regular season finale tomorrow in Sacramento. Looking forward to that. I did wonder, because for a long time it said TBD on the time, and I'm sitting there hoping, okay, can we just get like a mid-afternoon game? Nope. 7 o'clock, Sunday night. Yeah, that's just, you know. Nature of the game, you know, they want it yeah. prime time. I sure. mean, when you're the top seed in the NBA, well, know, they're going to assume that people want to tune in. <laughs> well, if you're the Sacramento Kings, apparently they don't care for you to tune in <laughs> considering everybody they're sitting. We'll talk about that here in a moment, but before we look forward, I want to look back a little bit. Obviously, last night the Utah Jazz take care of business against the Oklahoma City Thunder, moved to 51-20 and with a 109-93 victory on the road out there. As David Locke like, said, on the plains of Oklahoma City, that was kind of a funny, I like that. It was, it was pretty good play on words there but let's look back let's hear let you hear from the players and coaches themselves let's start off Quinn Snyder speaking to the media after last night's victory hey Quinn, just um for starters how, uh can you evaluate Mike's play out there tonight uh in the in the 16 and a half minutes he was out there I thought he, thought he played well you know he's doing the things that you know that he does and, um, you know, obviously you get a little tired. He, he ran him a little longer than we intended to really, you know, a minute in the first quarter, but you can see him getting a little fatigued as it, as it went along, but, you know, he's got a presence on the floor and it's good to see him out there. Next up, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Yeah, a little bit more uh, about Mike and, the team coach, uh, how good was it to see that offensive combo again and with Rudy and Mike and, and Joe and, and Mike? Yeah, you know, anytime you get a player of Mike's caliber that's been out for a while, um, you get him back and you, you realize, you know, um, or you're reminded um, of what type of player he is and how, how, how good he is. So um, I think, you know, everybody wants – um, to play with Mike and uh, it's good to have him out there. And I think, as I said, his, his conditioning improves, um, you know, he'll even get in even a better rhythm on both ends. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, if, if I, the Suns lose either of the next two games against the Spurs, you guys get the number one seed. To what extent will you guys be watching those, the score of those games uh, in order to change, will that change your approach, I guess, against the Kings on Sunday? Uh, you know, I think this time of year, particularly in the West, you know, everybody's watching, watching games. Um, you know, there's, I guess, there's so, there, you know, on three different levels, there's, you know, very little separation between certain teams. So, um, you know, regardless of where, where you finish, you still don't know who you're going to play. So, um, you know, certainly you're, you're paying attention whether you're watching play by play or not. Um, you know, probably depends on, on you know, the individual, but guys know what's going on in the league right now. All right. We have one last question. This is from Mateus Klinecki from Defaha. 
Hi, Coach. Uh, in relation of what you just said, um, even with the number one spots on the conference, the team could be match up against the Lakers or Stephen Curry and the Warriors. Do you think, do you feel like it's fair going at those kind of teams considering the incredible season this team had? Well, I, I think that's, that's the West, you know, I mean, you're talking about Hall of Famers. So you, you're going to, you're going to play against a really, really good team and it's going to be a challenge. But um, again, I, I think the biggest thing for us is just to try to control what we can. And, you know, you find out where you, where you sit and who you play. And, um, you know, that's, that's when the postseason starts and people forget about, you know, anything and everything you've done up to that point. So we just want to try to finish, finish strong and uh, again, and see, see where everything turns out. There you go. Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Utah Jazz. And I think many Jazz fans out there, Lundy, are kind of like him. It was fun to have Mike Conley back out there. I think mm-hmm. many of us wondered. We saw that Donovan Mitchell was declared out for the rest of the regular season. I'm not going to lie. I was the first to think, okay, if he's out, they're not going to blame Mike Conley. But it was good to see him at back out there. Yeah. And, you know, Conley had mentioned before the game and shoot around that, you know, that was kind of the last part he felt of his return to form sure. was that – you know, you can't do it in practice. There's no scenario where you can really, you know, push back to that, you know, game ready stage without actually playing the game. You've and so got I think to play. That, yeah. yeah. And so I think that it was, you know, Quinn echoed a lot of what we were feeling where it was just it was good to see him back out there. Yeah, 16 minutes for Mike, uh, pretty light night in terms of working him back. And you're not going to go out and play him immediately 30 minutes when you don't need to. 10 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds, plus 10 in the plus minus, if that's something that matters to you. Pretty good, I guess, return to the lineup for Mike Conley, expecting to see him back out there against Sacramento tomorrow night. Well, Rudy Gobert also spoke to the media. Actually, let's get to Mike Conley first. Let's let Mike speak about his return. I think that's actually probably a good jumping off point. So Mike Conley speaking to the media last night, talking about finally getting back into that lineup, kind of explaining what went into the decision. Here you go, Mike Conley after the game last night. Hey, Mike. Um, first of all, just how did it feel to be back out there? And also, I mean, at, at this point in your career, at this point in the season, does the does the minute restriction get to you like you wanted to be out there a little bit more? Or are you just you're ready for the postseason to come? It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, well, first off, it, it felt great to be out there. Um, you know, just get get your, you know, game timing and, and the feel of the game a little bit. And I think that's important for me. Uh you know, going in the last couple games of the season and going into the playoffs. But um, as far as the minutes restriction, you know, I've just, with our training staff and coaches I've been, we've been very transparent and they know I want to play and, and, you know, they, you know, always there to protect me from myself. So um, I kind of, I've given in to, to, you know, the the process and uh, the scheduling. And I think we we came to a good agreement there to, to not push it too much this game and, Hopefully, hopefully get a, a few more minutes, uh, you know, in Sacramento. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, what in particular kind of came easy or felt really natural out there tonight and, and what maybe uh, took a little bit of work? Quinn said he felt like you were maybe a little bit uh, tired out there after that initial stretch. Yeah, I think as far as the game's concerned, there was nothing that really uh, – took a while to get back. I think it mostly was 
just the conditioning portion of it. You know, you, I didn't get a chance to to truly play a, a game, a simulated type of game before going out there. You know, two on two and three on three just doesn't uh, equate to an actual NBA game. So, uh, you know, just kind of running up and down and having the ball and, you know, you know, having that usage up a little bit and then defending and, you know, kind of doing all those things that I haven't done in two weeks. Uh, it just uh, takes a little bit of time to, to get that back. Next up, Tony Jones, the athletic. I uh, haven't said that you look, you know, the, you look like there wasn't a lot of rust in your movements and the actual basketball movements, but how did the wind feel and, and how did you feel in those basketball movements, despite how you may have may or may not have looked uh, to us? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, I had, you know, there was nothing in my mind thinking about, you know, my hammy or any other part of my body. I think just going out there and being able to have fun and compete, you know, forget all about your body in that case. And, um, I really, I went out there and had fun, you know, it was a lot of fun to just, you know, get into the paint, you know, make plays, got to the free throw line a lot, you know, just, just kind of filling out the game and, and picking and choosing spots to be aggressive. And, uh, I think it's just defensively is where it'll, it'll, you know, hopefully the next game will just continue to, to build up because there's, you know, it's different when you try to play on both ends and just play one side, like one side of the ball. So for me, you know, it's, uh, you know, I like to take pride in that defensive side too. So just trying to get my legs ready for, uh, you know, that battle on both ends. And last, we have a question from Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Mike, how long, when you've missed nine games, how long does it usually take to get your wind back? Um, normally just a, a few days, you know, once I kind of get through the first, you know, first game, second game, I feel pretty good. Uh, mostly the first game is like, you know, I just, I'm working myself up and just so excited. And just like literally just, I do a thousand, you know, squats and a thousand lunges and like just getting ready for the game and find out that I've just worn myself out before I even get out there. But, you know, just kind of getting your whole game day routine down again and all that just takes a few days. And, um, you know, in this case, it, it had to be a few games. There you go. Mike Conley, Utah Jazz point guard and Lundy, I just felt like having him back on the court. We we've seen with him out. It was was it nine games or ten games? It was nine games without him, right? I I believe so. Yeah, there was that was the I I want to say the ninth game. It would have been tenth game if he had he had he missed. But it was just nice to see. Joe Ingles has talked about. He's been on with DJ and PK. And he's talking about being the sole ball handler. Man, it's a whole nother world out there for a guy like him. And Joe's a pretty good ball handler. We've seen it. He's become a true point forward. But I can guarantee you, him having Mike Conley back out there, he's like no. You take that ball and bring it up this time. I don't want to be hounded up and down the court. Right. You know, and it, it just it makes things so much easier for everyone when you have another facilitator, another mm-hmm. guy that can create plays. You know, I, the, and that's a big part of what makes the Jazz work so well this season is because it's not necessarily who's making plays. It's you know the superstars are creating plays for other guys. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, and that's 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 the good news. All right, so a final uh, post game sound we're going to get to here is from Rudy Gobert. Rudy had a pretty good night last night. Uh, 16 points, 18 rebounds, and just 27 minutes. Um, I saw some people joking on social media last night. Well, 27 minutes, he was played off the floor because there's been that that debate about Rudy Gobert. He just he's not good. <laughs> Guys, if you watched him game in and game out, you would understand how important and how good he actually is. It's it's insane. I mean, like it, it's something that I didn't truly understand or appreciate before this season. Sure, you know, but like there's certain things that 
the stats and even the advanced analytics just cannot track. And Rudy Gobert is one of those. I mean, the advanced <laughs> analytics still love him. Sure. But there's something to be said when you're watching a guy start to drive, sees Rudy Gobert, and actually turns around. And, like, you know, you, you can't record that as no. anything. That, there's nothing that can be recorded in Denial any way, shape, or form. of decision to... Yeah. Drive to the hoop? It, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's one of those things where it can't be measured, but it can be seen, and it's very obvious when you watch. As David Locke has said, go Bearland is a very terrifying place to go to <laughs> if you're an opposing player. Because he's just, he's so elite. And I know there's people out there, I know Ben Simmons, I'm the best defender in the world. I'm like, okay, Ben, you can say that, but... Got this guy right over here. I, I can also say I'm the most attractive man on the planet. Sure. It doesn't change the facts that there are other people much better looking than I am. What's the George Costanza line? It's true if you believe it. Is that is that the term from Seinfeld? It's not a lie yeah, yeah. If, if, if you, you believe, believe it. it. There you go. That's exactly it. I love Seinfeld. Copious amounts of references are allowed on this show with that show as well. But So let's get to Rudy Gobert's postgame comments because... Solid night for him. A light night. And that's the nice part is I think the Royce O'Neal played the most minutes in that game. 29. It's great. Especially when you're going to go and you, you take care of business early. Oklahoma City looked pretty disinterested, all things considered. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk uh, seemed like he was the only guy who was in, interested in really just gunning in this game. But just nice for the Utah Jazz to have a relatively light night. So here you go. Rudy Gobert speaking to the media after last night. Hey, Rudy. So Coach was saying how tonight it reminds him of what Mike does for this group. What does he do for you specifically in the pick and roll that makes that so deadly and so effective? I mean, he's so smart. And, you know, his decision-making is, is, is so good that uh, he just creates shots for, for everybody. And, uh, you know, for me, it's just a matter of getting open on the screen and uh, giving him that little advantage. And then he's, he's able to, you know, pick the defensive part. And I think, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it just, we just go from here to here offensively when, when he's out there. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Rudy, does it kind of feel like maybe you guys are one step closer uh, to the playoffs, being at full strength, having having Mike out there tonight, did that make things feel a little different? It was great. <laughs> it was great to have him back. Um, we missed him. You know, we missed Donovan too. Hopefully, we came back game one of the playoffs. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's one game at a time. Tonight was a good, was a good win for us. And uh, now we're going to go to Sacramento and uh, play our game, do what we do, and uh, and try to get another one. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, what did you see out of Mike specifically tonight? How did he look? Like how close to normal, you know, both he and Quinn were talking about like his conditioning not quite being there. Mike brought up his defense not quite being back yet. What did you what did you see back from him in his first night back? Uh it looked great to me. You know, uh I feel like he was I feel like he was quick. Uh, you know, he was making the right decisions. Obviously, he didn't play in the second half, but I thought, you know, in the first half, he really, uh, you know, he really gave us a lift. And, uh, you know, we, that's what we expect him to do. You know, I, I find his rhythm and, uh, and hopefully get back to, 
you know, his level of, you know, shape that he's comfortable playing with. And, uh, you know, uh, if he plays the way he plays tonight, every night, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Next, we have Niall Campbell, utahjazz.com. Hey, Rudy. Um, you know, you say after every game, went, uh, on to the next one. And with there being one more game left in the regular season, clearly there's playoffs. How are you feeling, especially considering the load that you have carried these last few games with Mike and Don out? I mean, for me, it's been the same. Um, you know, uh, whether Mike is out or anyone's out, I know that. I have to be out there for my team, and uh, you know I, I try to I try to be there every single night, even when I'm tired, or if I'm a little beat up, or if I'm a little hurt. Like if you know if it's nothing serious, I try to be I try to be out there. Um, but uh, you know I'm really confident. You know I think uh, you know being able to go through those stretches of games when we're missing some guys was able to you know I think make us stronger as a team. Uh, you know, we we're able to, like I say every time, you know, get get a few guys that maybe doesn't get a lot of minutes, don't get a lot of minutes, and you know they were able to get some experience, some minutes, you know, experience some some wins, some losses, some some good games, some bad games, and um, and you know now that we're gonna get everyone everybody back, um, you know I feel like we're gonna be we're gonna be fresh, you know, and we're gonna be ready to go for you know for the playoffs and. Uh, to try to achieve what we what we want to achieve. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune, up next. Rudy, I wanted to ask you what you think about two young players. First, uh, Alexei Pokashevsky, just kind of his length and ability on the floor. What do you notice when you watch this game? I mean, I think he has a great upside. You know, I think, uh, you know, if he's able to uh, get stronger, you know, and, uh, and then shoot the ball even, even better. Uh, you know, he can be, I mean, I don't see any limits, you know, to his game. So, you know, he's still so young. Uh, you know, when I was his age, I was, I was in France. I was, in, I was barely playing in, in, in the French league. So, you know, it's, uh, I think it's all about, you know, how those guys uh, put the work in and, you know, how they're able to, to develop, you know, and those things are usually not easy to predict because I'm not in his mind, <laughs> you know, but uh, he, he definitely has a, a huge potential. And then the second player I want to ask is your teammate, Udoka Azubuki, and kind of what you've seen from him in practice, uh, you know, so far. Uh, Doke, Azubuki. Doke, I think for him, it's just about, you know, getting back in shape. Uh, I think, you know, being able to, he's a big body. So being able to, you know, uh, run down the court, being able to, you know, uh, finish at the rim, uh, block shots, move his feet. I think, I think before the injury was, you know, uh, he, he was great at doing that, so I think you know he had a it's, a it's a tough injury. So it's for him, it's just about getting minutes, uh, getting up and down the court, and uh, you know doing whatever he has to do to on and off the court to to get in great shape. And uh, you know just uh, saying that you know the other guy, I think he, he has an amazing you know, upside, and it's all about how hard he's going to work and. You know, uh, and how consistent it's going to be with everything. All right, we have time for one quick one from Tony Jones, the Athletic. Um, how how important? Um, this might be an obvious question, but how important for your playoff chances is a healthy Mike Conley? You know, and you know, Mike Conley that's playing uh, at the top of his game. 
I thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to talk about my handouts, but yeah, I answered the question. Uh, I mean, Mike is a huge part of what we do. He's, he's one of our leaders. Uh, he's our most experienced, you know, player, and uh, you know, and uh, we know that uh, we're going to need him. You know, I'm really happy that he's able to get those two games, those last two games. Uh, you know, underneath him to 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 get you know to get back to to playing shape and uh, you know and uh, I mean my company is my company. Uh, I can't tell you all the things he does for us on and off the court as a leader. You know, his voice. You know, for for all of us, uh, his core vision, his shot creation, his defense. You know, everything he does is a. Uh, it's helping our team, so we we definitely need him to to be able to do that at the at the, at the highest level and uh, being able to do that throughout the whole playoffs. There you go. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Rudy Gobert. And as Lundy referred to earlier, he did have a um, a behind the back attempted a pass, ended up being an over and back call. That's the type of game to try something like that if you're yeah. going to do it. Try his. I, I believe he re- referenced just then. You know his, his handles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Rudy, you know what? He's seven foot one. He's the best defender in the world. This is the type of game. If you're gonna have some fun, give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, either this game or potentially next game. We'll see as well if, okay. he, if he tries anything else. Let's like talk that. about that. We got the Sacramento Kings coming up tomorrow night. You'll be, of course, be able to hear all of that right here on your home for the Utah Jazz, the Zone Sports Network. Uh, Jazz game night. The pregame show will begin at six o'clock. Tip off at seven o'clock there in Sacramento, as I, I like to call it, Cowtown. That's just the way I've always referred to it. But Sacramento, yes. It sounds like they are planning on putting out the quote-unquote G League team, and we'll see how the Utah Jazz respond. I think it all kind of depends on how things play out with the Spurs and the Suns over the next two days. They will know if they need to win this game to win the one seed by tomorrow night when tip-off comes around. Yeah, and so like I, I think that regardless, we're going to see pretty much the main starting lineup minus Donovan out there. Yeah. But how many minutes they play I think will be, like you said, determined by if they need to win to, to lock it up or if they've already clinched. Yeah. Um, because I, I would expect, if they've already clinched somehow, then I would expect that at that point, the second half would be a full-on G League game where they're just getting guys depth and minutes. And I mean, Quinn Snyder has talked about earlier this year with just the weird schedule format and the lack of practices um, one of the things that he likes to do in these games when they don't get close is he uses that as his practice time. You might as well. And so, you know, we're going to see guys that need that practice, you know, including the starters. Sure. You well, know, but a they, lot of the depth as well, because that depth is going to get tested, I think, in the playoffs. Yeah, and they need to get back in sync. Uh, obviously, yeah. Mike Conley coming back into the lineup. I, I see, it was just my opinion. I would have liked to have seen Donovan play maybe one or two games in the regular season just to kind of get synced back up with guys. Mm-hmm. But the nice part is, Donovan's been out longer than Mike, and they were playing relatively well with Mike and Joe as kind of your primary ball handlers before Mike went out with that hamstring tightness to get Mike back in, get him re-ingrained, and then you're going to have a, a, a week off here. That's mm-hmm. the thing about it. There's going to be some practice time in there. You're going to be kind of paying attention to what's happening with this play-in tournament to see who you're ultimately going to face. And at that point, I think you get Donovan back into the lineup, hopefully, and I'm with you earlier, you referenced the fact that they might be looking and seeing, okay, who's our first-round opponent and really kind of determining when Donovan's going to ultimately return. It's just my sincere hope and belief that he'll be out there for Game 1. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, there's there's a week here where you're going to have plenty of time to hopefully re- reintegrate him into the lineup. But the nice part is getting Mike Conley out there, getting him kind of in sync. Yeah, they play the first half, and it's very clear that, okay, 
And then, yeah, you can have you can have practice. Good point. Quinn Snyder can throw guys out there. All right, Urson, uh, I want you to do this out there. Uh, Matt Thomas wants you to do that. George, go do this. Give them an opportunity to show what they can do when you're trying to work on stuff in game. Yeah, I mean, you know. David Locke has even pointed that out a number of times when it's happened, where he says Quinn Snyder has mentioned this and this is what he's doing. They've run the same play to the same guy three or four times in a row and because it hasn't worked any of those times. And so he's he's continuing to run them through it, saying, nope, do it again, get it right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we will uh, take a timeout here. We'll come back on the other side. We do need to talk about the big news in the Pac-12 from this past week. They have a new commissioner in place. I don't think many people had ever heard of his name until he was announced. So we'll talk about George Klyovkov. Did I get that right? I think so, yeah. Klyovkov. Well, we'll talk about who he is, what we expect him to do with the Pac-12. That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jake. That's Alex, a.k.a. Lundy. We are your co-host tandem taking you through the Saturday afternoon in this re-debut of the Saturday show. And excited to be back with you guys on Saturday afternoons here on 97.5 FM and 1280 AM talking all things sports. Let's take him into here, Lundy, and talk about the Pac-12. Obviously, we all knew that Larry Scott was moving on. And good riddance, goodbye, via con Dios, sayonara. Yeah, I, this is this is a day that I wasn't ever sure I'd see, but I have been, you know, just like praying for for years because, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm a junkie for Pac-12 anything. Sure. Yeah. And because, you know, I just love me some chaos. And what's more chaotic than the Pac-12? Not much. And so it's been one that... I, it's a day that I've long hoped for and has finally come to pass yeah. that we have a replacement for Larry Scott. Yep. George Klyovkov is your new Pac-12 commissioner. And I'm not going to lie, when I saw his name pop up when they announced it, I was like, who? Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I was, And my initial reaction, you know, like I just saw it and saw just MGM and I went, great, cool. Pac-12 is going to Pac-12, you know, and then I... You know, I actually, and it's probably the same thing for you, started to look into it and went, hang on, maybe I need to, to pump the brakes. Let's let's see why they, you know, let's see what this guy says. Like, his, his resume is kind of interesting. Yeah, so his former job, or I guess, I don't know, he takes over on July 1, right? Is that when I they, believe so, so, yeah. He's probably going to get started before that, I'll be honest. He'll probably be doing some background work and whatnot. But currently, he is the MGM Resorts International President of Entertainment and Sports. He lives in the Las Vegas area. And of course, we all know MGM. They are a worldwide brand now. They've got casinos, entertainment venues all over the globe. And he is the president of that. In that aspect... This guy understands the global nature of sports and entertainment. So that should help him in terms of that format. There's still part of me, though, that they have gone from a guy who was the president of the Women's Tennis Association, so in pro sports, brought him in, Larry Scott. We all know we don't need to rehash everything that happened during his tenure. But they're bringing in a guy who doesn't have experience in the college sports realm. 
that is a little bit worrisome, but I, I'm kind of with you though. Looking into his background a little bit, you want you think, okay, this guy's worked in more facets than just women's tennis and whatnot, and maybe, maybe just maybe this one will work out. But in some ways, it is the Pac-12 doing the Pac-12, right? You know, and there are red flags. You know, I mean, you know, his press conference was great, sure, but you know who else had a lot of optimism coming off of his press conference? Larry Scott. One Larry Scott. Yeah. And so there's, you know, we've got to see something before we can really have a fully developed opinion on this. But I will say that, you know, he, while he does have that same red flag where he doesn't have that college experience that, you know, that Larry also lacked, where I think there's a main difference in that regard is, you know, a bunch of people, because, I mean, this is 2021. Anytime anybody has their name, make it big. Everybody starts going and combing through their tweets. Uh, there were a lot of things that I saw from the past that were actually, you know, like there wasn't anything controversial. And it was a lot of him tweeting about college sports sure. and showing that he's actually a fan of college sports. He mm-hmm. watches those with a vested interest. And I don't think that Larry Scott, I mean, maybe he does maybe he enjoys watching college sports but he never presented that you know as as a part of who he is sure you know i honestly wouldn't be surprised to find out that he never paid attention to any of the football games that he attended he was there to just kind of schmooze in the in the box seats and so you know this this guy he doesn't have the experience but he has the passion and i think that that's important we'll see if it actually pans out because sure. you yeah. know it could be you know another you know dumpster fire but it, 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 it at least on the surface seems like a good thing so far yeah and you're right the press conference he absolutely nailed it he, uh, quote i want to go on the record that the pac-12 is in favor of both the expansion of the college football playoffs for teams and the implementation of consistent guidelines for name image and likeness Wow. Two major boxes. Check, check. Well done, sir. Yeah, right out the gates. And then he also, you know, he didn't get super into it, but he, he addressed mm-hmm. sports betting. Yes. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, the Pac-12, a lot of the time, you know, they've looked at themselves, whether it's been true or not, they've looked at themselves as innovators. Yeah. Um, you know, the Pac-12 networks was supposed to be an innovative thing. Uh, and, you know, well, it really kind of wasn't because it, you know. The original... I guess vision for it was innovative, right? In theory, it did not. Yeah. It was not innovative. In execution, yeah. we'd seen it before with the mountain, uh, and so you know, it's it, it didn't quite live up to its hype. But you know, sports betting they could really get off on the right foot if they can, you know. And it's going to be interesting to see how that will work, or more likely not work, with Utah being in the Pac-12 footprint. Yeah. Um, but outside of this state, I think that sports betting will be a really good way of generating a lot of revenue for the Pac-12. A lot of people have questioned how the Pac-12 would make up that revenue gap with the other Power Fives, and I think that that is a big way to do it. Well, and the thing is, he's working with MGM Resorts, so right. they've got they're in the gambling sphere. Like they, I think, is MGM the one that's partnered with the NBA? Is it them or is it Caesars? I don't remember which one, but they're... they're I want to say it's MGM. But, so... He knows this world. Yeah. This is what he's coming from into the Pac-12. So he'll be able to bring all kinds of connections, a background on it, and be able to say, okay, this is what will work. This is what won't work. And that, that is, I'm with you. If you can close the revenue gap in some way with that, 
go for it. And I'm state of Utah, yeah, we we know that there's going to be some interesting things to go on with that, but we'll find out. But I think the overall uh, gist of his hire, speaking of Klyovkov, is he just hit on all the big notes. He also said that we know where our bed is, bread is buttered. We're focused on the revenue sports and winning in football and men's basketball. The Conference of Champions, is, as our good friend uh, Bill Walton is fond of saying, sure, the other, the, the quote-unquote Olympic sports, they're going to continue to compete at a very high level. We all know that. But I think he knows if you want to be relevant in this country, there are two sports to do well in, and that is football and men's basketball. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I I was very surprised to hear him say that, you know, just come out and acknowledge it. Because for the past 10 years, it's been carefully stepped around (laughs) and just, you know, anytime anybody would ask about it, we would get a very indirect answer about something else. Sure. Uh, the one issue that I wish would have come up, and mm-hmm. maybe it did and I just missed it, but there's one glaring issue that the Pac-12 has always had an issue with and never gets resolved ever and never gets talked about by any of the top people. And if they do, it's very disingenuous, officiating. And I, I'm i interested to see how he'll tackle that because it's it's not just a perception issue anymore, you know, like... We all know Woody Dixon. Yeah. I mean, you know, I could. there was the argument that could be made early on that it's like, look, it's just a perception issue. People have latched on to this. And so Pac-12 refs trends anytime there's a bad call, even though it's the same numbers. But then, you know, there was the Woody Dixon scandal. There was, you know, and I even saw somebody run like a statistical analysis where they tracked the number of penalties per game in the Pac-12 versus all the other conferences and then did that in bowl games, you know, compared it to bowl games when they were officiated by other crews. Okay. And interestingly enough, the outcome of that was the average number of flags thrown by Pac-12 officiating crews in the bowl games where no Pac-12 teams were involved was right on track with what they were throwing during the regular season and the the Pac-12 teams, theirs dropped to the outside average when officiated by non-Pac-12 officials. Hmm. So, it, you know, it was, okay, we have empirical data now, and we have, you know, reports, and we have all of these kinds of things. It's an actual issue that you can't turn a blind eye to anymore and say, oh, it's just the perception. It's No, it's it's fact. Yeah. We, there's an issue here, and it needs to be addressed. Well, they need, and even if it's not, in their mind, is a big of an issue, it's just they they need to they need to fix the public confidence in that. That's yes. the biggest thing is they they have a lot of people out there. Who, like you said, a bad call happens. Well, hashtag Pac-12 refs. Like exactly what goes out on social media, and that definitely needs to be addressed because the Woody Dixon thing. They tried to kind of just put it off in the corner. Well, it, I don't care what you say about it. It's an absolutely incredible thing that this guy had the audacity to think I'm going to walk into that replay center and say no overturn that call we're not who are you and what if it what like what expertise do you have and the gumption for you to walk in and say no you're overturning that call it just it's mind-boggling you know and the reports and things that came out of it you could tell that the officials hated that and that that you know they tried to spin it as, oh, well, he thought he was just providing his opinion. But that was not the way that it was received by any of the officials. No. And, you know, the way I see it, it's one of two things. Probably the more likely is they knew that that's how it was being received and they just 
didn't care and continued to do it and just spun it that way to make themselves look less bad. The other possibility is they legitimately didn't know. And that makes it worse if that's the case. Yeah, that's the that's a damning, damning thing right there, if that's the case, because it's just awful. Uh, one other thing Klyovkov is going to have on his plate relatively in your future is a new meteorite deal. Yes. And we're going to find out more about this guy because, what, we three days into his tenure or three days after he announces his hire, he's actually not officially the Pac-12 commissioner until July 1. But he is going to have a lot on his plate because there's a whole new sphere of what's going to happen with these meteorite deals. We're going to start seeing them come up and be renegotiated. I, I do wonder, because we heard Larry Scott talk about the fact that like, we're in San Francisco because we want to be right where all of these tech giants are. Well, you happen to also pay now the biggest uh, money in terms of your rent and everything. And what is it really paid off with? Not much. So I think Klyavkov has to kind of hit this on two different parts. Is our future going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area? Are we going to keep our headquarters there? I would say get the hell out of Dodge, get somewhere else. Whether it's Las Vegas would be great. Yeah. You can go to Las Vegas and be just fine, in my opinion. I think that that's, that's where they should be. That's the most natural fit, I, I feel like, with both men's and women's basketball tournaments there. Sure. Uh, now the football tournament there as well. Or not the football championship tournament. Game. Football championship game. Yeah. They're both there. I mean, just start to move everything there. Just c- kind of consolidate. Really make that the epicenter of the Pac-12. And the real estate costs are going to be significantly cheaper oh, than so where much. they're located right now. But see, that, that part he needs to address. But then also... How much more money can he get these schools in the upcoming round of media negotiations? Mm-hmm. It's going to be absolutely critical. It's a question I'm sure he will address in the relatively near future because they are there is a gap. There's a chasm widening between the Big Ten and the SEC is the top dog, but then the Big Ten's there. And then the other three Power Fives, they're lagging behind right now. And obviously, you have a chance here, hopefully, to make up some ground. We'll find out how much ground they can actually make up. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we will wrap up the show with what... <laughs> We're still workshopping this name. It used to be five minutes of soccer. Because we got Lundy here, who is an esteemed hockey aficionado, we're going to try something new. And we're going to talk about both soccer and hockey. We'll find out how it goes. That's coming up next right here on The Saturday Show. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Well, it's been a fun show. It's crazy it flew by as fast as it did, Lundy, but that's kind of how it goes in radio. Did it fly by for you? Oh, you know, I mean, time flies when you're having fun, and I've been having an absolute blast. That's good. See, the funny thing is I can remember the first time I did a show, like an actual show. I got done, and I'm like, wow, I think it was a three-hour show. I'm like, well, I just... Didn't feel like it went more than 25 minutes, it seems like. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, it's just it's kind of funny how that happens. But thanks to all of you who have been tuning in in this maiden voyage of the new iteration of the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. This final segment, uh, we did this with Adrian, and when he and I were co-hosting the show, he liked to call it five minutes of soccer because that's all he said he could tolerate for me talking about soccer. But I know you are a hockey aficionado. I'm trying to get into the sport. I'll explain more here in a moment about me trying to get into hockey. But let's start off with that. We'll talk a little bit about soccer here, but let's talk about the puck. Obviously, we've got uh, the playoffs. Are they already going? Are they underway? So it's kind of a weird scenario, the way that the NHL... So 
the first playoff game plays later today. Okay. Uh, 5.15 local time. Uh, Boston at Washington. Okay. So, you know, Bruins and Capitals. Capitals, I think, really need... I mean, if there was a way that both teams could lose, that's what I would like for okay. this. Because I don't like the Bruins, but I think the Capitals, you know, with just all the recent controversy, you know... Sure. And the, the lack of the league punishing them... It, it, Anyway, that's the first playoff game. Okay. There are regular season games. There's I mean, my Oilers are playing, you know, right now against Vancouver, a regular season game. Oh, so they're still wrapping up the regular season. Still, the regular season will continue. I believe the last game is the nineteenth. Uh Calgary at Vancouver um is a regular season game. Okay. Oh, yeah, the nineteenth. Um and part of the reason for that is, you know, with the pandemic and everything, Canada kinda locked down they Sure. Readjusted all the divisions, and uh-huh. so all the Canadian teams are in the North Division. Vancouver got hit really bad with COVID and had to miss a lot of games. Absolutely hammered. What was it? Three weeks without playing, something like that. And so they're continuing to finish out their regular season, even though they're eliminated from playoff contention. Okay, gotcha. And so they're finishing that out just to to finish it. At, you know, revenue, shares, revenue, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my uh, my Oilers are playing them right now. Uh, the Oilers. First playoff game is, I think, also the the 19th. Yeah. So we have playoffs uh, going today, the first playoff matchups, but some the regular season will continue into next week before the playoffs get going in full right. view, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, Boston-Washington game three is next Wednesday, but that's when Edmonton and Winnipeg play game one of okay. their playoff series. Gotcha. Well, hey, fun times all the way around. Yeah. Okay, are your Oilers, I know, is it Connor McDavid, right? Connor McDavid, yeah. Connor McDavid is... Dude is a stud. An unbelievable talent. Um, you know, hailed from the age of 14 as the next Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Um, well, he's playing for the right franchise. It yeah. Be and, that. and Gretzky actually called him prior to his draft a lot, of, you know, when he was young and said, here's how you handle this kind of hype. Okay. Um, Connor McDavid is fantastic. Him, The combo of him and Leon Dreisaitl mm-hmm. is... Just it's one of the best in hockey. Uh, and early this season, they got off to a slow start, and that was extremely frustrating because I saw your like, tweets. I remember. How do yeah. you have the two best players in the NHL and you can't win games? Uh, but a lot of that was fixed when Mike Smith came back from injury. He's kind of their primary goalie. Okay. Um, Miko Koskinen, he he's a serviceable goalie. He, uh, you know, spent actually some time locally here with the Grizzlies. Okay. Um, cool. For a little bit, of, you know, and and he's good. He's he's a good kind of off the bench goalie but he was just not quite as good as they needed him to be they made some other tweaks with the the line the way that they had the lines set up to to help them on the defensive end and that seems to have done a lot in helping them uh they finished second in the north division cool uh even without you know having their regular season done yet so that's crazy. I, it's one of those crazy things about it. So most people out there are probably okay, Jake, what do you have to contribute to this conversation? Well, my team, I have officially declared my fandom for the Seattle Kraken. So I will be able to talk more about this next year. The Seattle, man, I was, uh, yeah, they, they announced that name and I was like, okay, interesting. And then I saw the logo and was like, man, it's that. It's pretty awesome. Ooh, you know, that, that tested, you know, because my main team, the Oilers, yeah. uh, my American team, is the Vegas Golden Knights just because of proximity? I, okay, and the thing but is, I, when, I, I was really tempted when I saw the Kraken logo. When the Knights debuted, I'm like, okay, that's a cool team. Like the proximity, you're right. Las Vegas, it's a relatively short drive from here. I just couldn't get with them. I just, for whatever reason, couldn't do it. So I figured, okay, Seattle, 
all I'm in. with you guys. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'll be able to talk more about it when the Seattle Kraken actually you know take the ice. But uh, one other thing here, we're obviously going to talk a little bit our quote unquote five minutes of soccer. Real Salt Lake off to a pretty good start, all things considered, this season. Two wins to open up their campaign. Last week, uh, Chris Wondolowski decided I'm going to tear your hearts out once again at the riot at the Rio Tinto Stadium, winning that match for San Jose 2-1. Uh, Real Salt Lake faces for the first time in club history Nashville SC tonight. Nashville was a debut club last year, but obviously how disjointed 2020 was. It just it really became a cluster, and they just couldn't get things uh, figured out. So it's for the first time after a year of being in the league, Real Salt Lake and Nashville are actually going to square off. We're going to finally see these two teams actually play. I have no clue how it's going to go, I feel like, but I can tell you this much. Rubio Rubin, what a fine for the Real Salt Lake front office. Yeah, I mean, I've seen his name trend on Twitter a few times, and so I'm familiar with, you know, I saw that he had some awesome goal recently. You know, everybody's calling already the goal of the year. That's about as much as I know about soccer. Had they won that match, it'd probably be even more immortalized, but they ultimately lost that match, but nonetheless, it was a fantastic goal. We'll find out. It's at 7.30 uh, tonight out there at Rio Tinto Stadium. I believe they're going 10,000 fans once again tonight. Going to be a good crowd, and that's the fun part. I think sports overall, opening back up. It's been so great to hear the roar back in this building, sure. um, you know, to see what are they going to 13,000 for playoffs? Sweet. Yep. So, yeah, stoked about it. Love that it's coming back. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, well, Alex. Let's do it again next week, all right? All right, sounds great. All right, thanks to all of you who have joined us uh, throughout the show today. We're going to be on every Saturday moving forward from 12 to 2 p.m. We will follow Utah Car Sense, Austin Horton, doing a great job on that show. Looking forward uh, to talking more about whatever happens in the week ahead. Plenty of Utah Jazz talk. Obviously, by this time next week, Alex, we will know what's happening with Utah Jazz, who their first-round matchup is. We actually might be the first show to actually preview it. We'll... We'll see. We'll find out about that. But until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network.